Thanks, Mike. That was so good. <clears throat> so good to be with you all here and out on Zoom. Um, as many of you have already heard, Tammy and I did uh, uh, somehow we got exposed to the coronavirus and uh, we were uh, taken out of commission for going over three weeks now, closer, getting closer to three and a half weeks, I guess. Um, <clears throat> thank God I'm doing much better. Tammy's doing much better. I had almost zero symptoms. I had a mild headache, some aches and pains, and um, you know, and then it was gone. Uh, <clears throat> I had a fever of 99.1, if you call that a fever. I guess 98.6 is normal. Um, Tammy had a little more fever. Uh, unfortunately, she developed a little bit of a cough toward the end of it. So because of that, out of the abundance of caution, even though we've been like three weeks ago, she decided to, to host on Zoom today. But just wanted to give you guys that update. Thank you for all of your prayers. Really appreciate it. You know, we were, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We're doing well. God is good. And, um, you know, he gets us through every trial, every circumstance, every situation. I also want to take a moment to comment on uh, current events. And I want to tell you, honestly, I've been on, uh, on like a journey. Um, I'm actually, I'm so, I have to tell you, I'm vexed by the political season. You know, everybody has a strong opinion inside the church. Uh, and, and they're on both sides of the aisle, and they can give you facts and circumstances and point to why you should be supporting one candidate or another. I just want to declare very clearly, there is no salvation in the Republican Party. There is no salvation in the Democratic Party. All men are flawed. All men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. One day, the government will be established on the shoulders of Jesus Christ when he returns. He will rule in righteousness and justice. In the meantime, we deal with imperfect systems, imperfect um, philosophies. And, you know, we can list out the issues. And I, I hope you do familiarize yourself with the issues. And then you put it before God. And you call on Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, which says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't rely on your own ability to figure it out or understand, but acknowledge him and ask him to direct you as you cast a vote. Because I'm telling you, you know, whether you hold life is sacred, whether you look at, you know, and when I say life, I say those in unborn. I say those like George Floyd who, you know, suffered... As someone, as a cop knelt on his neck, um, you know, and the, the racial injustice of it was apparent. Those are innocent lives. They're both important. Unfortunately, in the church, we seem to divide black, white, and it's, it's horrible. And that's why I'm vexed. And, and I, can, I can list out a list of issues that I say, oh, I think I'll vote Republican. Then I can list out some issues and say, well, maybe the Democrats have it right on these issues. And then you say, what, what resonates with you? You have to take that before God. I can't tell you. You are responsible for your vote, and you should vote. And uh, when you look at some, uh, <clears throat> Lisa Wood sent me some uh, YouTube videos, helped, which also helped enlighten me on why there's a divide and some historical things that have happened over the years. 
you know, after the Civil War, <clears throat> most African Americans, once, once they were given the right to vote, they, they were Republicans. But then there was a, a shift because um, around the time of the uh, Martin uh, Luther King's marches and stuff, a lot of uh, Southern conservatives were just opposed to all of that. And there's all sorts of, it's a complicated issue. And <clears throat> I just say that to say there's no salvation in, in that. Do we need to be responsible and vote and take responsibility? You get the representation <clears throat> in your government <clears throat> that you take responsibility for and you get active with. So it's important that we look at it. You know, I have friends that seem like it's very clear to them on one side. I have friends that seem it's very clear on the other side. I am vexed. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. You know, I, I see certain issues very strongly, and then people point out to me, and I've tried, you know, when you pastor a multi-ethnic, multi, um, you know, congregation, and people come from very different backgrounds, and, you know, we have implicit biases that we have to come to grips with, and I, it's a blessing because being around a diverse group, it makes you stop and think about the different viewpoints. When you're in a monocultural setting, you just, yeah, everybody agrees with each other. And uh, unfortunately, that doesn't help you get to truth. You know, and at the end, we have to be people of the truth, not what we feel, not offenses. Sometimes there's historical injustice and we're still taking offense at them to this day. And <clears throat> we have to let our offenses go. We have to say, Jesus, I want you to be glorified. So that's all I have to say about that. <laughs> I feel like Forrest Gump. <laughs> <clears throat> Bless the Lord. Okay, turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I want to talk about spirit, soul, and body. And I want to take you through some of my own wrestlings. And uh, hopefully where the Lord has tried to show me some things. I'm, I'm still growing in these areas. But let's start with Romans chapter 8. Just as a little background, Romans 7, is it, Paul is dealing with the conflict that's inside of him. You know, in his flesh, there's nothing good. You know, he wants to do the right thing, but then he does the wrong thing. And, oh, wretched man that I am, who's going to deliver me from this body of, of the flesh? You know, he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ. Jesus is our Messiah. He is our Savior. He's the one who's going to deliver us. And then he starts in Romans 8 and says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So, you know, we declare that all the time. I, declare, I am the righteousness of God. There's no condemnation. Um, you know, we sing that song, where are your accusers now? I mean, there, are, there is no condemnation in Christ, and I rejoice in that. You know, when you were born again, when you were saved, when you gave your life to the Lord, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He, he gave you his righteousness. We stand in the righteousness of Christ. Yet when we look around sometimes, we, we see, I don't always do so well. Like, I, I mess up. And and then there's this conscious, how can I be the righteousness of God? And so we start to think that maybe it's based on my performance, and it's not. It has nothing to do with your performance, but it creates some contradiction in our thinking. And so I want to delve into that. So let's just keep walking through Romans 8 at the moment. 
There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of, on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to their flesh set, the, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit on the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, we have to break that down. What the heck does that mean? I mean, the flesh, what, what is the flesh? It, it, is, is it just this physical body that I have? And, and what does it mean to be carnally minded? Because to be carnally minded is death. I don't want to be carnally minded, you know, but to be spiritually minded. So we need to break that down a little bit. To be carnally minded is to live by your five senses. What I can see, what I can touch, what I can feel, what I can taste. And your body has a will of its own. You know, we're in the midst of a 40-day fast. And, you know, those of you who are engaging know that your body starts sending you messages. I'm pretty hungry. <laughs> Maybe you should just have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And, uh, and how, is this, how is this fast even spiritual? I, I get more, irrit I'm more irrit irritable. I have less patience with people. Um, you know, all these things start to, to crop up. What is that? That's your flesh screaming that it doesn't like what you're doing. Because when you make the decision to enter into a fast to seek God, your flesh, and we'll talk about this in a moment, is it enmity, which means opposition to everything that the Spirit of God wants you to do. Your flesh stands in direct opposition. So when you, when you make a, a decision, I'm going to seek God through fasting, your flesh is saying, no, 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 no. We, I don't like that. And it constantly sends you messages that you should, you should stop this. Don't you know I'm starving to death? <laughs> I've got this mad, wicked headache. And on and on and on. And that's your flesh signaling that don't do this. Stop, stop. And... Often, I've been there, we break a fast because, like, I just can't deal with all of the screamings of my flesh. And, uh, you know, I've also learned in that time, sometimes you have to prepare yourself to fast so that, the, so that you, you know, you, you do, like, a little bit of a cleansing diet before so that you don't have all the toxins, you know, being thrown off that, that make it really difficult. But here's the thing, your flesh is giving you signals and your flesh hates to fast because it wants to lead you. And most of the time, your flesh does lead you. What do I mean by that? When you're hungry, like I'll be at work, working, working, and sometimes like I'll forget, but then about three o'clock in the afternoon, I'm like, I didn't have lunch. And now I'm, I'm feeling really hungry. <laughs> and so I take that signal and I go get something to eat. 
Most of us do. It's, it, you know, and that's not per se wrong. And here's the thing. When the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, some of us think that just to be like sinfully minded. If I seek after things that I know are unrighteous, you know, that's death. I, I don't think that's what carnally minded means. Carnally minded means to be not in tune with what your spirit is speaking to you and being led forth. There's nothing wrong with eating. That's not a sinful act, you know, but you don't want to be led. You don't want your body to lead you in all things because your body will lead you into things, you know, that, oh, this is pleasurable. You know, if Paul says that the, the marital bed is undefiled and it's a beautiful thing, you have communion, husband and wife together. But you know what? When you're single, you still have that desire. And if you act out on it, there's pleasure in it. it you know, you are wired a certain way. But that's, what are you being led by? My, oh, this feels good. You know, but it, it's not within the sanctity of a God-ordained relationship. That's a problem. Are, are you with me? And, and so we can't just be led by what, feels good to our body or what our body desires. That's what it means to be carnally minded. I'm just going to go with what feels right, what seems right, the circumstances, what I see, feel, and taste. Verse 7, because the carnal mind is, is enmity against God. It means in opposition, opposed to everything that God stands for. The carnal mind, the physical senses, is works against the will of God when they're not when it's not sanctified. I mean, you have to you bring your body into subjection. You offer your body as a living sacrifice, Romans twelve one, and you you bring it into subjection. So then, those who are in the flesh they cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. See, our spirit, when we receive Christ, our spirit is sealed by the Holy Spirit unto the day of redemption. But we're still waiting for the, the redemption of our bodies and souls. That's why the Bible says, you know, that we have to renew our minds. You know, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. You have to start saying, God, I want to think the way you think. And we're going to get into how, how do we do that. If the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in your mortal body, through his, in your mortal body, through his spirit who dwells in you, <clears throat> I'm sorry, let me back up. But if him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. Therefore, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh or the carnal desires, the carnal nature. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So I, I quote that scripture a lot, verse 14, for as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. 
I personally think fasting is a good spiritual discipline, not so much like I fast to get God to do something for me, but I feel like fasting is a good spiritual discipline because it puts my body and the desires of my flesh in check to seek the higher things of God. And as you seek the Lord, and it allows your spirit to rise up and be the dominant uh, influence in your life. And that's what we want. So I've often read through Romans 8 and been, you know, just, all right, how do we do that? And in order to do that, I think you need to understand that we truly are three-part beings. Turn with me to 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 23. My son seems to think I need water. Hold on. He probably got a text message from my wife. Love you, honey. She's watching. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. <clears throat> now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So God's word clearly teaches us that, that we are three-part beings. It says right here, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. However, I think very few Christians actually practice a functional understanding of, of how this works out in our lives, what this means to us. Your spirit is the innermost part of you. It's the part of you that is actually born again. Before we come to the Lord, before we receive Christ, our spirit's basically dead. But when we come to the Lord, there's, a, there's this new birth, and all things become new. Um, <clears throat> I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, so let me slow down. When you speak, the body is obvious, right? Spirit, soul, and body. The body is what you see. Up here, this is my body, what you're looking at. No comments. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> however, okay, is the physical part you're seeing. However, when we interact with each other, when I talk to you and you talk, you know, we're, we're interacting. You're interacting more with my soul realm. You know, I'm having a conversation. My mind and emotions are engaged with you. Um, <clears throat> people define the soul as being... Your mind, will, and emotions, your soul. Also, you have a conscience that's all a part of your soul. That's why even unbelievers, sometimes they have a guilty conscience. You know, they know what they're doing is wrong. It's all part of that soul realm. Um, <clears throat> you can feel both your body and your soul. If I walk up to you and I put my hand on your shoulder, you know, you'll know it. If I walk up from behind, you don't know someone's coming. You know, like sometimes you can just feel someone's presence. Oh, someone's next to me, or I put my hands on your shoulder. You, you actually feel it. If I speak words to you, I can make you glad. If I speak other words to you, I can make you sad. I speak different words to you, I can even make you mad. <laughs> it's all reactions in the soul realm, uh, and, and our words have power. So when I interact and I share, I, I'm, I can affect your soul. 
<clears throat> However, the spirit it can't be accessed by, by the soul or the body. It just, we can't access our spirit. Our spirit can access and have an impact on our body and soul, but we can't access our spirit. Jesus said in John 3, verse 6, Gospel of John, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. So the soul and the body can't really touch your spirit. The Bible actually says that, you know, when we were saved, that our spirit was sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise unto the day of redemption. It's actually sealed. So, you know, when, when the Bible says when we're born again, Let's just turn quickly to 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18. If we can get that up on the screen. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's awesome. All, we're a new creation. Old things have passed away, and all things have become new. Now, when you were born again, if you were slightly overweight, if you were slightly underweight, if uh, you had blonde hair, and you got born again, did any of those things change? No, they all stayed exactly the same. So what is 2 Corinthians 5.17 talking about? It's talking about the spirit. When you came to Christ, your spirit was made alive unto God. Your spirit was completely transformed. It was brand new, and it could relate to God. And, 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 and all things were new, and, and it was sealed unto the day of redemption. But our body isn't in that same place, nor is our soul. And if you don't understand that, then sometimes we, we, this conflict arises um, as we start to put into practice the Word of God. Because so many of us, for all the years before you got born again and saved, you were just led by your carnal nature. You, what you saw, touched, taste, how you felt, you, you would be led by that. Now we want to develop the ability to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit, to be led by what he's saying. And, and so there's a, there's, there's a transformation. Turn with me to First Corinthians 15, 53. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 53 says, For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and the mortal must put on immortality. Although Christ's atonement provided for you physically, your body has not yet been saved. Otherwise, we wouldn't get old. But if you look around, unfortunately, we're getting older. <laughs> because... It's been, redeemed, it's been purchased, but not yet redeemed. 
God paid the price, but eventually this corruptible will put on incorruption, and uh, the mortal will put on immortality. We, we will have a new body. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 1, 13 and 14. I just want to bring this point home a little clearer. In him, Ephesians 1, 13, in him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, here it is, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession. That's the rest of us. That's our body and soul. So in the meantime, we have a responsibility. You know, we have to recognize that our spirit has been born again. It's saved. The devil can't touch it. God's actually sealed it. But we have a mind and a flesh that we have, and a body that, you know, are operating in this earth realm. You had a way of thinking, a philosophy of how you approached life. And, and the Bible says, you know, you know what? You have to now renew your mind. Uh, turn with me to Romans 12. Romans 12, 1 and 2. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. What is a sacrifice? Sacrifice is something that people would put on the altar, especially in the context of Paul's writing. You know, they, they were used to bringing ritual sacrifices into the temple and offering up a lamb or a dove or whatever and killing it. So he's saying here that we should offer up our bodies a living sacrifice, being ready, put to death the deeds of the flesh, the desires, the wants, and let your spirit man rule. That's what it's saying. Take all of these wants and desires in your flesh, you know, that are carnal or at enmity with God and put them on the altar. A living sacrifice. This is wholly acceptable to God. And it's your reasonable service. And then it goes on, and do not be conformed to this world, the philosophies, the mindsets, the way of thinking, but be transformed, how? By renewing your mind, that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. How many want to walk in the perfect will of God? Amen. All right. Colt, take the names of those who didn't raise their hands. We're going to pray for you afterwards. Okay. So there's the challenge. Now we have to, how do we walk that out? Um, turn with me. The Bible gives us a roadmap. Turn with me to James chapter 1, beginning of verse 23. Your spirit is never going to be any more saved. Your spirit agrees with everything God says. Your spirit rejoices in the Lord. Um, you know, I was blessed when Mariah was singing out, you know, sing it until you believe it. What does that mean when she sing it until you believe it? Because sometimes our minds stumble. 
you know, our spirit knows the truth and agrees with God. But in our minds, sometimes there's, in our soul realm, in our emotional realm, we haven't fully aligned with truth. You know, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Oh, great. I haven't had joy in years. <laughs> um, how does that work? God's actually, joy isn't a feeling. It, joy's a person. He's, you know, he, he's inside of us. And he comes out, and, and, and he is joy. So what do we do? Listen, James 1, 23 to 25. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who observes his natural face in a mirror. He observes himself but goes away, and he immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks into the perfect law of liberty and continues in it or stays there who says that's who I am this is this is who I am and is not a forgetful hearer but is a doer puts it into practice this one is blessed in all that he does so when we read the word of God it tells us who we are in Christ it tells us that the old is past the new has come that we want to align ourselves with truth you know uh the Bible tells us that by the stripes of Jesus Christ, we're healed, and we have to continue to speak that over ourselves and over each other and believe what God says about us. Um, he said that, you know, we're more than conquerors through, through Christ who loved us. Uh, you know, it's Christ in us, the hope of glory, um, you know, that we are blessed are the peacemakers. We're called to bring peace. Uh, there's so many things, like we have his righteousness, like we're not, you know, we were sinners, but he redeemed us, and he made us his righteousness. Like, if, if you just say right now, I'm a no good sinner, then you miss the point because you devalue what Christ has done for you. He took your sin on himself on the cross and gave you his righteousness, so if you declare that I'm just a no good sinner, that, wait a second, are you born again? I mean, it's, it's one thing when you're not saved. I mean, we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And if we're relying on our own ability to, to come before God in righteousness, then God help us. Like that's, and he has helped us, but we can, that's not going to work. But when I come before the cross, I'm not going to stand in my good works. I'm going to step into Christ. And he's going to cover me. And therefore, it's not true anymore that I'm a no good sinner. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I stand in him. So we need to declare that. So the Bible says you need to look at the law of liberty and recognize who you are. And then you need to command your mind, your will, your emotions to come into agreement with what the word of God just said. Now, here's an issue. Sometimes our experiences, the things we're, we're going through around us, scream something else. And there's always the question of where, of the power of agreement. Are we going to agree with God? Our spirit agrees with God. We just read that our body, our flesh, is a, opposed to God, right? So the body or the flesh, the, the carnal nature, needs to be put into subjection. It will never agree with the things of God. We just read that. Okay, so now we have this third part of us called our soul realm, our mind, our will, our emotions. 
which, you know, it's like our personality. And where does your soul come out? Sometimes, I know I've had this experience, mentally I've agreed with God, but in my soulish emotional realm, because of some experiences I've had, there's been reservations that I didn't believe what God said about me. Like that I was a son and I could, I could totally depend on God. And because of the confusion of my mind and emotions, because I mentally agreed with God, I said, no, you know, the Bible clearly t teaches that he's made me a son. He's poured out the spirit of adoption on me. I'm a son. But because of my own upbringing, my relationship with my own dad, things that had occurred in my life, I, I didn't fully align in an emotional realm with the fact that I could depend on my father in heaven because I had learned that I couldn't always depend on my father on earth. And it impacted it, a certain emotional intelligence which was in my soul. So until I had came face to face with the fact that I don't really believe in my emotional realm that God is my father and he's going to take care of me. Yeah, I believe God was my father, but my own father checked out on me a few times. So I learned that I couldn't depend on him. And so there was an emotional thing that I had an inability to fully trust God. And until I could deal with that lie, in essence, that thing that kept me from trusting God, my, my soul sort of went the same way as my body. In other words, I, I trusted in my five sense realm in that area. So the power of agreement, instead of agreeing with my spirit, I agreed with what I could see in the natural. Now, <clears throat> I don't know if I'm giving a good explanation of this, but I had to get delivered even in the emotional realm and say, God, I know deep in my heart you're a good, good father and you're going to take care of me. My spirit already agreed with that. And then when your spirit and soul line up in agreement with God, you just command your body to follow. Because you don't let your body lead you. It's like the main parts of you have now aligned with God. But when you don't allow your soul realm to agree with what the word of God says, and you, you live in the natural realms of what you could see, hear, and touch, then if, if you're going to let that lead you, you'll end up in being carnally minded. Does that make sense? Do you, understand, do you understand what I'm saying? Because this is very key to walking in victory. We have to agree with what God says about us and about others. You know, and that's key that you agree with what God says about others. Your spirit agrees with God all the time, but then you hear things from other people. Do you know what she said? Do you know what he said? Do you know what they did? And, you know, and we, that, that's called gossip. And we start to align not with what God says about people, and then you're not led by what the Holy the Spirit of God. I mean, we just read in Romans chapter 8, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. I want to be led by the Spirit. I want to understand this. So the first thing, James tells us, well, let's look into the perfect law of liberty. James 1, 23. If you're a hearer of the word and not a doer, you're like a man who looks in a mirror... He observes himself and goes away, but you forget what kind of person you are. The Bible tells you who you are. And then you leave and say, well, I'm not really 
a conqueror or more than a conqueror. You know, I can't do that. The Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, you know. And you look at your natural realm and you look at the limitations of your, your flesh and your ability and you figure you, you can't enter into the promises of God. Yeah, that prophetic word was awesome. You know, it aligns with what God said about me, but I can't believe it. Because look, look where I live. Look at the job I have. Look at my situation. It's not going to change. And you, and you start to say those things, then you align with what the enemy is saying about you, what your flesh is saying, and you're not aligning yourself with God. The place, the Bible tells us that agreement is the place of power. Who will you agree with? Will you agree with God and step into all of his promises over your life? Will you agree with what you can see, hear, and taste? And that's the challenge because sometimes we have to align what we say and do, and the circumstances around us haven't fully aligned with that yet. And so by faith, you step into it like Abraham. You know, you see afar off what God's saying, and you enter into his promises, and you start to speak it. And some people say, oh, you're that name and claim it. When I talk, I'm talking about confessing the word of God as true all the time, even when the circumstances don't align. Now, when you look into a mirror, you see a reflection of yourself. If Ladies, if you're putting on your makeup, if you're, you know, someone's combing their hair, then you go about your business, maybe you eat a salad during the day, you might not notice certain things about yourself. Maybe someone will say, oh, you know, you got a little piece of green lettuce. <laughs> oh, thank you. And you, you, know, you, you run to a mirror, you try to put it. But you don't feel it. We, when you look in a mirror, it gives you a reflection, and sometimes you make adjustments. Oh, let me fix this. Let me fix that. Because you see something, but it wasn't because you felt it. It's not like you're sitting here and saying, oh, I know, like, three hairs are out of place. <laughs> You don't feel it. The same way, I, the, your, your natural, your, your mind, will, and emotions, your soul, and your flesh don't always feel the truth of the word of God. But it doesn't mean it's not true. And we have to, uh, we have to look in the law, the perfect mirror, and say, okay, that's who I am. I don't want to forget who I am as I go about my life. We read Romans 12, 1 and 2, not to be conformed, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind had a way of thinking you have to align. It's so important that we start to train our minds. If you don't, if you're not in a regular Bible reading plan, you need to get on one. Because in my experience, and you can judge it by your own experience, if I don't have a regular reading plan, I don't read regularly. And maybe that's me. Maybe you read every day and God leads you how to read. Um, praise God. If that works for you and you're able to read through the Bible in a period of time that God is speaking to you, good. Personally, I, read the, I do a Bible reading plan where I read through the Bible in a year. And I am faithful to do that. I mean, I may miss some days and then I catch up. Often I'll come 
to the weekends because the weekends my schedule is is not as ordered as during the week. So I, what I'll do is I'll read ahead. So I'll cover my reading for Saturday and Sunday. I'll still have my devotional times, but I'll make sure I get my reading done. Why? Because I know how important it is that I'm constantly feeding myself with the Word of God and reminding myself and training my mind as to what the Word of God says about me, about others, about God, about life, about death, about everything. I need to be constantly filling my mind with the Word of God. <clears throat> and if I don't, I end up being swayed by the opinions of men. I have to judge everything by what God says, especially when you're in a political season like we're in and accusations are flying and this one's no good and he's worse and they're horrible and, you know, God, I need to hear your voice and I need to judge all things by the word of God. And that's always, even, even in your, your personal relationships, you know, be slow to speak, quick to listen, you know. Like these things, you know, the anger, uh, the, the wrath of man does not work the righteousness of God. Like, check your temper. We need to constantly remind ourselves of these things. Now, when we're born again, our, like I just said, our spirits are born again. Our spirits are made alive. Your spirit man is perfect before God. That's why you stand in the righteousness of Christ. And it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. But then you said, yeah, but Bill, I still kind of mess up sometimes. Sometimes I get tempted and sometimes I give in. Uh, and I do things that aren't right. That's because your soul and your body have not, your, your, your mind has not been fully renewed or transformed. And, and, and you've... You, you, you follow the dictates of the flesh. So from the, this point on, you want to follow what the Spirit is saying. Uh, it's important that we renew your, our minds to believe God's word and that your soul agrees with what has transpired in your spirit. When your soul comes into alignment with what it sees God's, in God's spiritual mirror, what's already in your spirit begins to be released into your soul and body. And that's how you experience the benefits of your salvation. I said your, your, your body, your soul can't touch your spirit because your spirit's sealed. But your spirit can have an impact on your body and soul. That's why you can be healed, right? You, that's why, you know, we can change the way we think because of the spirit's influence. If your spirit and soul agree, you experience the life of God here and now. Your, your born-again spirit is always for God because it's already been completely changed into his likeness and, and his image. When your soul agrees with your spirit, those are, that's the two parts, and that will then dominate your, you know, your flesh, if you will, and the flesh will go along sort of as a caboose. It will follow what your soul and spirit are commanding it to do. On the other hand, when your soul realm, in your mind, you don't come into agreement with God, then you become carnally minded and you actually act out on the things that you don't want to do. 
and you cut yourself off from experiencing the life of God. And that's, that's such an important understanding. You know, the Bible says the soul that sins will surely die. And Christians, even though you're saved, right, your spirit is saved, you're born again, when we allow ourselves to, you know, do things that we know are contrary to the word of God, which is called sin, you know, sin isn't just actions you commit. The Bible says, for him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, to him it is sin. So, you know, often many Christians, maybe even myself sometimes, you know, we're just thinking about sin in terms of things we do. But it's that sometimes it's the things you didn't do. You know, the kindness that you had the opportunity to show and you didn't do it. You know, it's, and, you know, we're, we're very sort of, we become in this legalistic mindset of what sin is. And God's ex definition of sin, I think, is much more expansive. It's, it's anything that falls short of his glory. And so we can never get into a performance mindset because you'll never perform. But the more you yield to the Spirit of God, then you'll walk out in righteousness as you're led by His Spirit, as you allow your mind to be transformed, as you let the Spirit dominate who you are. In your spirit, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Um, the Bible says that uh, if the same the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you and will quicken your mortal body. So it will have an impact on your mortal body as we align ourselves and our thinking. We position ourselves to receive the life of God here and now. Your soul's like a valve, in other words. It's going to determine which way, you know, what, what is the influence is it going to be influenced by the spirit and align with the spirit? Or are you going to allow carnal thinking to dominate your soul? And, 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 and that will, in essence, like that's the valve of your life as to where you come out in, your, in walking out your salvation. How you think, how you respond, the things you say, the things that you do. What comes out of the heart, the Bible says, the mouth speaks. A heart that is, you know, fixed on God on the things of the Holy Spirit, that's thinking on things that are true. What is true? The Word of God. Things that are good, that are precious. When that's what dominates your soul, that's what will come out of your mouth. Without op opening the valve to renew your mind to God's Word, the eternal reality in your spirit won't be able to impact your temporal reality. In other words, what, what we see, feel, and touch. All the resurrection life and power just stays locked up inside of you until you look in the spiritual mirror long enough to recognize who you are and release it. God wants us to release who he is. So, let's see. I'm going to think this is the last scripture. Yeah, okay. Turn with me to Philemon. Chapter 1. It's one of the shortest epistles. Paul was writing to his friend, encouraging him about a 
a slave that had run away from Philemon and was serving Paul. So Philemon, 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 however you say it. <laughs> Chapter 1, verse 4, Paul's praying for Philemon. He says, I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. Let's focus on this next part. That the sharing of your faith may become effective, how? By the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. I think this is a key to releasing what's inside of us. We must begin to acknowledge what Christ has already done in us, who we are. Speak it. And we'll start to see it happen. Communication means to release or to transfer. The sharing of your faith, a communication, is to release or transfer. For instance, I'm communicating, releasing, and transferring to you what God has spoken to me and is beginning to make a reality in my life. The word effectual, because he says sharing your faith may become effective or effectual. Effectual means to work or produce. So we want to tr communicate, transfer, release. That's the sharing in an effective way so it works and produces something. And how do we do that? By acknowledging every good thing which is in us, in you, in Christ Jesus. So your spirit is in the process of growing and maturing because it's your, your spirit is not, let me clarify, your spirit is not in the process of growing and maturing because it's already complete. Your spirit has everything it ever needed in Christ. In Christ. It's complete. The rest of your Christian life is learning how to manifest into the physical realm what's already in our born-again spirit. We have to learn how do we manifest that which God has put inside us. The way your faith becomes effective and productive is by acknowledging every good thing that's in your spirit. We need to speak it out. We need to acknowledge um, the righteousness of God in Christ. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You know, whether I abound or abased, I'm, I, you know, I'm content in God. I know he's going to take care of me. You know, if you, you're going through a hard time, say, God, I know you're in control. You know, I, I have peace because you give me peace. I walk because that's inside of me. Since you can only acknowledge what already exists, you can't acknowledge something that's not reality. Therefore, in order for your faith to work, you must recognize, believe, and acknowledge the good things in you, in Christ. You have to acknowledge what he's already done and provided. Here's the truth. When you were born again, God put his power, his anointing, his joy, his peace, everything in you in abundance. It's in you already. The only reason you aren't able to manifest it in your soul and body is because of an unrenewed mind. In other words, you believe what you see, hear, and touch. You know, 
And if, and if that's where you're stuck, then that you can't manifest what God has done. It's not that God didn't give it to you, it's, but you're still looking at the physical realm instead of in the spiritual mirror of the Word of God. Right now, your spirit is saved, sanctified, holy, empowered, as it ever will be throughout all eternity. Someday we're going to receive a new body and a new soul to match up with our renewed spirit. Until then, it's your soul and body that are in the process of change, not your spirit. At the second coming of Christ or when you die or go to him, the change in your soul will be instantly completed. Then when the Lord returns, your spirit and soul will be reunited with a glorified body. At that time, at that time, all three will be perfect. But until then, the Christian life is renewing your mind, acknowledging the perfection that is in your spirit so that your soul and physical body can experience the benefits of salvation. It's so important that we come into agreement. You know, one of the inner healing tools that we um, use here, you know, it's called Sozo. And one of the key principles of Sozo is, you know, the counselor, the prayer counselor that's with you will sort of, you know, go through some of the things that are vexing you, you know, that you're having issues with, and then try to understand some background and what's going on. And in, the, in all of that process, they try to identify where is the lie that you're believing. <clears throat> My wife has given a testimony about having a foreboding spirit, which she received deliverance of, and it was quite manifest to our, to our family. After she got deliverance, like my wife changed. She was born again for years, loved God, just, just amazing. But this foreboding thing was something that you would see a situation and think, start to rehearse what could go wrong, like anxiety, right? Oh, if this happens, then that's going to go wrong, and that's going to go wrong, and all the things that could possibly go wrong, which creates inner turmoil and anxiety. And uh, <clears throat> when she was out at Bethel, I think Chris Vallotton, uh was given a testimony of, of, of a similar issue that he had, that he's always like foreboding what the next shoe's going to drop and it's going to go wrong. And all of a sudden, like my wife was like, wait a second, that's what's been vexing me. And then she got deliverance of it. But here's the thing, if, if you're not believing in the goodness of God and you, you think, you just keep thinking about all the possible things that could go bad, that's a foreboding spirit. And it was a scripture that, uh, I can't think of it right now, but basically that all the days of the foreboding are afflicted and on and on. But, you know, those who trust in the Lord have a, will have a continuous feast. Um, and so when you start to, to realize God is a good, good father, he's provided for all that I need, you know, no matter what I'm going through in a situation, it's temporal. Like everything you face in life, let's face it, even life itself is, is temporal. We're here for a short period of time, you know, eternity is a, a whole long time, but God is going to take care of us because why? He's a good father. Like he used to say that to me, God is going to take care of us, he's a good father, and I'd say yes. Mentally, but emotionally, I'm like, 
yeah, but my own father didn't do so great. <laughs> and uh, God bless him. Um, you know, and I had to overcome and start agreeing with, no, my heavenly father is not like my earthly father. My heavenly father will take good care of me. When I'm, when I'm you know, in a situation, he's there. And whether I feel it or not, and that's the, the mirror of the word of God, that's truth. So if your soul doesn't feel it, if your mind doesn't feel it, it doesn't make it less true. Yeah. It's still true. Yeah. And we align ourselves and we're transformed. Okay. I'm going to conclude with this. We're three-part beings. Spirit, soul, and body. The, the flesh has desires and wants that are carnal, and it says it's never going to come into alignment with the things of God. Therefore, what do you have to do to the flesh? Crucify it. The Bible says, offer your bodies, what? A living sacrifice. Holy, acceptable. It's not going to align. You know, if you're dating somebody... You want to be with them, that's not going to change. Like your, your flesh wants certain things. The Bible says that the marital bed is sanctified. And you need to keep it that way. But that means you've got to crucify those desires until it can be righteously fulfilled. Okay? Your body is never going to change on that. Don't think it will. Crucify it. Okay? <laughs> there are other things with the body too, but that's just the one I think people relate to. The mind has to be transformed in the way it thinks. It has to be renewed to agree with God. Your flesh, your spirit is already perfect. It agrees with everything God's doing. But the battle, the last battlefield, you know, is the mind. We have to let our mind, our soul, our will, our emotions come into agreement with what God says. And when we fully come into agreement, there's healing, there's power, there's all of that. And when we don't recognize a lie trapped in our soul somewhere because of our experiences, you will be vexed in your soul. It's the only way I could put it. I, was, I had a vexation that I couldn't put my finger on. Other people could say it to me, but I would look at them like they were crazy. Like, you, don't know really, you don't really have a revelation of God as your father. And I'd say, what are you, kidding me? I, I teach this stuff. Because in my mind, I could agree with it mentally, but emotionally, I had a disconnect. So we have to, our whole soul, you know, mind, will, emotions has to align and agree with what God says. And then when we start to do that, when we allow that process, we're going to come into the full glory of what God has. Listen, we're all in process. But it's, I think, as we start to understand, we can start to apply truth you know, if we're feeling anxiety, okay, why am I feeling this anxiety? Well, I think something bad may happen. What does God say about it? And you start to apply truth to those areas. If I'm feeling depression, why should I be feeling depression? God says, you know, his joy is my strength, that he is joy. So we start to apply truth to these areas, and that's where deliverance comes. Okay, I want everyone here to stand out on Zoom. We're going to Go into our breakout rooms right now. Uh, if you could share a little bit about what God has been speaking to you in this message, pray for one another, that would be awesome. Bless you guys. Love you in Zoom world. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up.
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Let's all bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the eternal reality that we have in you, that you're always present with us. God, that you never leave us or forsake us, that no matter how we feel uh, around us, our circumstances, we can declare that we know you're with us. God, that that you said you would never leave us. And God, we can comfort ourselves with that you're there. And God, when we feel alone and abandoned, we can begin to, uh, we can be, begin to apply this truth that those are accusations against God, that that's not true. We can begin to tear down the lies that are trying to hold us in bondage. God, I thank you that you're going to continue to renew our minds, that our soul our mind, will, our emotions, our conscience will come into agreement with your word. That when we look into the perfect law of liberty, your word, we will recognize who we are. And begin to see transformation in our lives. And as a result, see transformation in our families, in our communities, in our cities. See the power of God flow. Jesus' name. Let's worship Him.